when I started as executive director, my number one goal was not only to diversify all of our revenues, so to not rely on our members who are mainly volunteers, the majority, and to rely on other revenue sources, as well as try to meet our members where they're at. This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive in to this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Alan DeYoung, Executive Director of the Wisconsin EMS Association. Alan, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Now, most people listening probably know what EMS is, but just in case. EMS stands for Emergency Medical Services, and most of us recognize EMS when we see emergency vehicles or helicopters at the scene of an accident or when someone is injured and a fire truck or ambulance shows up. Turns out it's a system of coordinated response and emergency medical care that gets activated when someone calls 911. So, Alan, tell us about the Wisconsin EMS Association. Who are you? What do you do? How do you make the world a better place? Absolutely. So, the Wisconsin EMS Association is actually the largest state EMS association in our country right now, representing just over 6,000 EMS providers, as well as the departments that they run with. We were founded in 1973, so we're about to celebrate our 50-year here coming up soon. Congratulations. Thank you. We provide membership benefits, continue education, and most of all, advocacy for EMS. So, Alan, who are your members? Are they the individual EMS professionals or are they the agencies on the departments? They are both. So we represent a majority of departments, just about 350 EMS departments in our state, and they're members that serve on their departments as well. And we do have individual members as well. Hey, before we dive into the things that you're doing to help Wisconsin EMS Association thrive, tell us the story of how you became executive director, because it's an interesting one. Yeah, so I started out in 2018 as the sales and marketing director mainly handling advertising, sponsorships, exhibitor sales for our our annual conference, as well as some kind of membership and all the marketing that kind of went around that as well. And ever since 2020 with the pandemic, we had a bit of a change up in staffing. (laughs) And I actually went to work somewhere else and wanted to come back as my predecessor resigned and there was an opening. And I really wanted to try to make a difference in the EMS, and that's why I'm doing this role. So in December of 2020, I was promoted to executive director. And ever since then, my goal is to do whatever I possibly can for our members and for this industry as a whole. 
Alan, did you set out to be an association exec? So how did you stumble into this profession? Yeah, I definitely did not think I was going to work for an association. Early on in my career, I actually owned a, a family remodeling company and worked in construction. And then I worked for a bunch of other for-profits, even a Fortune 100, and then a startup. And then I stumbled upon this role and moved back to Wisconsin at that time. And it just turned out to work out in the end. Amazing. Hey, so let's talk about Wisconsin EMS Association, or you call yourselves WEMSA, right? Correct. Let's talk about WEMSA. But before we do that, you have said that EMS in the United States is broken. Like, what does that mean? I mean, I call 911 and I say I'm hurt and somebody comes. Yeah, so EMS is one of the strange tiers of public safety that we look at. And it's broken in the sense of we have so many different types of EMS departments or organizations. You could have everything from your typical volunteer municipal-based, it could be fire or municipal-based EMS, or you can have a for-profit, privately-owned for-profit or a privately-owned nonprofit. In addition to that, you could have hospital-based EMS. And with that causes a lot of, they say, fragmentation, you know, in how EMS is looked at, the data that's around EMS, and trying to evaluate what does EMS provide as a public safety entity and what funding should there be for it? Hang on. So if I make a call to 911 and I say I'm hurt, EMS arrives, and that could be the fire department or it could be an ambulance. And you're telling me that this is fragmented and in every community, it could be a completely different entity. And it's not funded properly, you say. Correct. So EMS in our country as a whole is considered non-essential. It's a non-essential service, a non-essential entity. There is only a handful of states, about 12 states, I think, that consider EMS essential, but that doesn't mean they actually fund it. So currently, there is no base funding for any EMS across the country. They only get their funding from reimbursements from Medicaid and Medicare and ambulance bills and your insurance, private insurance provider. And that's a lot of times why people see some big ambulance bills is there is no other funding. That's why we, in our local communities, we see pancake breakfasts and spaghetti dinner fundraisers because they need the funding to purchase a lot of the equipment, the life-saving equipment that they use. I guess it's also why I hear about my son's friends volunteering to become AMS professionals or like I have friends who have gone through the training. So you're telling me that they basically go through the training, pay for it themselves, volunteer their time, and this is considered non-essential. If there's an accident on the side of the road and EMS is called, it may or may not come depending on whether there's EMS around and whether or not there's a volunteer. This sounds horrendous. Correct. Yeah. So with it being non-essential, there's no law to say anybody has to show up. There's no law to say that you actually have to have it in your community. So as we see the staffing crisis that's hitting a lot of industries, it's 10 times worse because EMS is made up of mostly volunteers. 70% of our country rely on volunteers to staff their ambulance 24-7. And when they're busy out on a call, they call them for mutual aid from another surrounding department. And if they're busy, they keep doing that until they try to get somebody to your call. And if nobody's available, nobody shows up. Oh, my God. So you could be on the side of the road and nobody shows up? 
correct? Yeah. Okay. So, Alan, you stepped into the role of executive director. The organization was struggling. Membership was down. What are some of the things you've done to right the ship and not just stabilize it, but to really thrive? Talk to us about some of those things. Yeah. So when I started as executive director, my number one goal was not only to diversify all of our revenues, so to not rely on our members who are mainly volunteers, the majority, and to rely on other revenue sources, as well as try to meet our members where they're at. So we've taken an initiative to try to visit as many members as we can, especially being state-based, you know, a couple hour drive in any direction. And eventually, well, you can hit quite a few departments and see people face-to-face. You can hear from them face-to-face. You don't have to worry about them being too scared about saying what challenges they're facing because you're going to see it firsthand. And that also helps us identify the needs of our members right away. And even non-members as well. It's just good to be that face in front of them. So you've made it a goal to visit your members face-to-face, which seems kind of old-fashioned, but I bet they love it. So tell us the results of these face-to-face visits. And I bet So like, are you in your car all the time? And sometimes you're in the car for like 15 hours in one day or something? We tried to make an initiative of once a month, make a multi-day trip and visit an entire county. So depending on how your state is made up, some of our counties are fairly large. And so we can visit anywhere from 16 to 20 departments within a couple of days. And that has made a tremendous difference. You know, people most of the time, or love seeing us face-to-face, even if they're not members. I bet. We try to do whatever we can on these visits as well to provide resources. So if we get donations from our vendors and manufacturers of medical supplies, we do whatever we can to provide those. Just as a thank you for everything that they're doing in their communities, whether they're members or not, you know, we're trying to help them and try to give them a voice. What kind of stuff are you giving them and where's this stuff coming from? We ask many of our vendors and manufacturers to provide anything that could be expiring within a certain time frame, that could be changing packaging, that could just be overstock. Many of these, they have limited warehouse space. You have any overstock that you'd like to send us, please do. We will get it in their hands. And from a member perspective, anytime they can get free supplies is a bonus. And so we've given out anything from gloves to pediatric equipment to AEDs, anything we can possibly do to help. We've even had new departments that have just started out. So these are standalone, very rural departments scrounging up some money to buy a used ambulance, but they don't have money for all the other equipment. And so we tried to put together all the other supplies that they need and donate it to them. So you're visiting the departments, you're giving them stuff. It's Christmas in, you know, whatever month you're visiting. I bet that's having a huge impact on membership. Are you seeing agencies come back that may be dropped? Absolutely. And thankfully, that's the positive outcome of this is being face-to-face with them. It's a lot easier to show you care face-to-face than sending an email (laughs) or even a phone call sometimes doesn't go over as well as a face-to-face visit. And so we have seen a huge increase in departments that have been joining and departments that have been communicating to us. Now they feel like they have a connection directly because they've met us. And so they know to reach out to us when they say, hey, here's my problem. What can you do to help? And we just 
do whatever we can to try to solve that for them. Amazing. So I can imagine that if word gets out that Wemsa is in a specific county and you're taking the time to spend a couple days and meet with all the agencies, it just feels like such commitment and such caring. I bet that is making a huge impact. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it definitely has. Now, Alan, you're also trying to diversify your revenue because I imagine that dues funding is constrained because you have so many volunteers. You're not raising dues very much. So what are you doing to try and raise revenue? Absolutely. So, you know, since taking over as executive director, like I said, that's been my number one goal. So we've done everything from launching a new career center to trying many different affinity programs, as well as revamping our advertising offerings to seeing what else we can do from, you know, opening a shop for EMS-specific needs. So one of the needs that from visiting a member face-to-face, they said, well, we use our personal vehicles to respond to this call. And when we pull up on scene, people don't know we're with EMS. Do you guys have some type of vehicle reflective stickers that we can put on our vehicles? Ooh. And these type of ideas we're getting because we came to visit and we saw them. Wow. We saw them pull up in their personal vehicle type of thing and they asked about it. So we're trying to look for every opportunity, not just necessarily where we can make money, but I do think making money is important because the more money we can make as an organization, even as a nonprofit, that means the more resources we can provide to our members and the better that our members can serve their communities then, which everybody is a part of, I'm a part of. So it just goes a long way to try to increase association revenue, but then find ways to provide more benefits and more value. Speaking of adding more value, you are the only state-based nonprofit that actually provides continuing education nationwide to EMS professionals. So that means I can be an EMS professional in California, take your training and get credit for it. And you're the only one that can do this in the nonprofit space. So why did you do that? And what's been the result of that? So previously, we were a training center, licensed training center with our state, but that limited us to just providing for education within the state. We had other state professionals in EMS that came to our conference, and we weren't always able to offer them educational credit. So by becoming nationally accredited, it has kind of opened the door for who can come to our conference online education. So the webinars that we have hosted, we can accredit them nationwide. And people feel like that, yeah, I'm in California. I can still get some credits through WEMSA. We literally just had a member from Iowa, you know, send in their membership renewal. It's been a definitely a great benefit to have. It was a process to go through, but definitely a big member benefit. Amazing. And that really increases your reach potentially because you can really be training people across the country. Correct. And we don't necessarily want to compete with all the for-profits out there that do the same thing, but we do want to try to provide some additional benefits. And sometimes it is, I just need a class on trauma. I just need a, a medical class on cardiac, whatever. It's much easier to pick off those one, two classes, three classes that you need for renewing your license as an EMS provider through our educational platform. And that's another thing that we actually launched, not necessarily for a revenue stream, but as a member benefit to hopefully increase member revenue that way. So, Ellen, you talk about how 
EMS funding and the state of EMS in the country is broken. You've talked about how you're trying to raise awareness of all of this. So talk to us about that. We're doing two different approaches. One approach is working with our technical colleges for new EMS students to get them introduced to WEMSA as an organization and providing them kind of a goodie box of both things that they can use. So these student welcome boxes can have trauma shears and EMS medical reference cards, but also can have some kind of goodies and some snacks and such. And just a way for us to say thank you and offer them as well as a free student membership. So that's kind of one side that we're doing to reach the student audience. Wait, hang on. That is absolutely brilliant because what you're doing is you're reaching out to the influencers, the faculty advisors and the faculty who are teaching the EMS professionals, hopefully encouraging them to say to their students, you got to join WEMSA. And we know, you know, Matrix Group as a company, when we work with professional organizations, when you get those faculty advisors really telling their students, you got to join, those students listen. So that is just brilliant. And you're getting them early in their careers. That's the goal. And we kind of identified that as one of our communication needs that we weren't reaching this audience. Most of the more experienced EMS providers have known about us for years, but the new ones have not. And so one way for us to try to fill that need and reach that audience. And I think that hopefully should go quite a long ways. And if they become a member early, they know you're a nonprofit, they know that you represent them, and you've got training for continuing education, why would they go anywhere else? Exactly. So the other approach in terms of just outreach, too, for communication has been just spreading awareness about EMS. Most people don't know that it's not funded. Most people don't know that it's mostly volunteer-based. And so any opportunity we get through any channels, media channels, I don't want to say podcasts, but podcast is one of them, <laughs> podcasts as well, radio, TV, just to spread the word about EMS. And it shows from our end as the association that we're trying to help spread awareness, be the voice for EMS, and represent our members in that whole process. And it just helps to inform the public, too. What can your average person who is listening to this podcast or hears you, what can an average person do to improve the state of EMS in their community? I think the best way is to find a way to support their local EMS department, whether that's volunteering if they can, whether that's a pancake breakfast fundraiser that they attend, donate to, or what we've seen a lot, especially recently, are referendums for increased funding. and really understanding that this hasn't been something that has been ever funded. So sometimes an increase in your taxes or something like that might seem like, oh my gosh, but the alternative is that EMS department could close. And we have seen that. And that's happened around the country. Correct. Yeah. We've seen departments close. We've seen entire areas go without EMS. And so they try to rely on any mutual aid from another county. But when you're talking about 911 medical, seconds count, minutes count. So having it locally is the most important thing you could do. And sometimes that is the cost of a Netflix membership every year to make sure your EMS department stays in your community. Alan, what is the state of your membership? Our membership about seven years ago or so was 
kind of at a peak and then started to decline. And part of that was some software issues that we ran into, just some public perception too as well within the EMS community. But over the last, I would say, two years or maybe two and a half years, give or take, like I said, we've visited with departments. We have been able to advocate for a substantial amount of funding, about $69 million in funding within our state, as well as do whatever we can to listen to our departments. That's probably the key versus just sending out a membership survey and hoping that they give you some good answers because most of the time they fill it out. And when you have open comments, they don't put anything in. But when you're face to face, well, they'll spill all the beans of all the challenges they're dealing with. And then you can pick one or two big challenges that you say, well, we can help with that. And that goes a tremendous way to getting them to rejoin if they were members before, or maybe they were never members. And we've seen a huge increase in the number of departments, new departments joining our association. Wow, Alan, it sounds like you're really invigorating the membership and the association just by listening and then acting and not just, but really that's an amazing strategy and probably logging a lot of miles as a result. <laughs> a little bit, yes, definitely. And it sounds like you're really bringing some new, fresh thinking in terms of member services and non-dues revenue. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Alan, this Thanksgiving, it sounds like People all over the United States need to be thankful for their EMS providers. Yeah, absolutely. We have so many providers that are going to be working on Thanksgiving because someone's got to take those calls. And many of them are going to be volunteers and they're doing this out of their own pocket. So any way that we can give thanks to the first responders that serve our communities would be tremendously helpful. Well, it sounds like we need to be thankful to them, and we need to be thankful to you for serving them. Our mission is serve those who serve others. Love it. Alan, thanks so much for being on the show. I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye! Bye!